feel like Gordon Bombay would have taken his career to even further height. Everything's flashy, everything's cocaine, everything's fun. Open wide for some soccer. I don't care what you think about, what your personal thoughts are at home. I care that you hate the Cowboys. Call this college rule! Welcome, everybody, to the Sports Experience Podcast. I'm Chris. This is Dom. Uh, we're just a couple of comics. We're chatting about sports, and uh, I think we're just going to get right into it today. Who are we talking about? We're talking about the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Heisman Trophy winner, Mr. Famous for doing lots of cool stuff, Ricky Williams. Everybody. Well, I feel like he has a lot of different uh, iterations of himself. Like yep. The guy in college football, everybody was like, he was like the man, the guy in NFL. They're like, oh, this is the trouble guy. It, and then he became kind of like a bounce back story. So. Yeah, a really incredible bounce back. He's a very interesting person, I'll say that. Absolutely. Like a very complex individual in a very good way, yes. I feel like. Uh, Ricky Williams, born uh, May 21st, 1977, along with the twin sister Cassie, uh, in San Diego, California. Where? San Diego. San Diego. Yeah, his uh, mom, uh, Sandy and Eric, which is Ricky's first name. Mm -hmm. Two R's for that double dose of pimping for Idiocracy fans out there. Um, his parents divorced uh, by the time he was six. Um, uh, at age three, uh, he, he has a very caring side to him. I read this story about how he would uh, sit with his younger sister and help put her to bed. I'm sure there was a lot of... Uh, marital issues going on in the house and uh, kind of a rough upbringing. His dad had a second family, which was kind of interesting to yep. read about. Uh, three kids in a, in a second household. He had a famous second cousin. Mm -hmm. Who was that? Cecil Fielder. That's right. Big, big daddy. Big daddy. <laughs> Look, big daddy. It's regular daddy. Um, he had a lot of anger as a kid, which I'm sure is very prevalent in situations like his as far as uh, parental issues. Uh, his mom took him to counseling at age six. Um, and then they found out, much like Tony Hawk, he was a smart kid. Yes, he was super intelligent. And he said that he always felt like he was intelligent. He just never really put the work in. Yeah, never and never really channeled it into anything as far as school or uh Sports until he got a little bit older, yes. like a Herschel yes. Walker almost, as we talked about. Um, said he really didn't, yeah, take school seriously until he was in middle school. Um, but by the end of high school, he was the San Diego Union Tribunes on their all-academic team. Um, also a great athlete uh, at age 12. Uh, got a brown belt in taekwondo, getting a little uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme action, which speaks to his athleticism. Yes. Um, attended Patrick Henry High School in San Diego, uh, played baseball, football, track, and wrestled, which was pretty cool. City uh, wrestled the future Patriots offensive lineman Stephen Neal. Yeah. So he must have been competing in those At a high heavyweight. Level. Yes. Those heavyweight divisions are like uh, 190 plus. Yeah. Um, baseball uh, was a third baseman and an outfielder. Uh, made all state as a senior. Uh, which, obviously, much like Cecil Fielder, pretty incredible. Um, on the football field, played outside linebacker, strong safety, and running back. And that's where Ricky was really awesome. Well, we see this coming up because, uh, well, let's get into where he goes. So he ends up going to the uh, University of Texas. Oh, oh, can I bring up a couple oh, of yeah, things yeah. about yeah. high school? Oh, yeah, yeah. You got more high school stuff? I got, I got some high school stats Oh, here. yeah, yeah. 
4,129 rush yards, and he had 2,099 of them in his senior year with 25 touchdowns. Um, was first team uh, All-Eastern League from the San Diego Union-Tribune, and he took a not-so-great team all the way to the championship game. Yes. Just kind of on any of his well, pick we, of colleges. I was too. just going to say, we see this in high school where guys are so dominant that they literally take a bunch of me's bunch of me's and use to, the, and st- use. to yeah. the state championship exactly yay just give the ball to ricky we did it guys <laughs> did we didn't he lisa didn't he didn't he uh so he goes to texas but by at the same time because he's such a good baseball player he's getting his entire um scholarship paid by playing minor league ball for the phillies Th- this is what i wanted to bring up i found so interesting because he was such a prospect that the phillies drafted him right away mm-hmm. and they were like we'll pay for your scholarship you just on the off season you come play for our minor league team and if this is your future we want to be the first ones in that and i remember somebody saying though with him going to texas they were like how did the schools in california let him leave the state it was one of those That's where weird to yeah, me because he he had to have been recruited ridiculously high but usc uh, all UCLA, these ucla all I of mean, them yeah just i mean he has his pick of any school so he chooses texas which is like they're kind of mediocre i think yes at, yeah at i don't point. think they were you know and he comes in and well he Breaks a record in his first game against Hawaii. I remember watching this game because yep. I always used to get to stay up late whenever they'd show UH games. So he started as a true freshman. As um, a fullback. As a fullback. Priest Holmes is hurt. Uh, also, We should do an episode on him. He was awesome. Uh, 95 yards. Um, and then that first season, Texas rapidly improves. They end up winning, I think, 10 games or 9 or 10 games and going to the Sugar Bowl that year where they lose to Virginia Tech, but he has 166 carries, 990 yards, and eight touchdowns, and most importantly, Southwestern Conference Freshman of the Year, last of which to do that, and also breaks Earl Campbell's freshman rushing record. Those of you who don't know who he is, he's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame and won a Heisman Trophy. So So it's all, everybody's looking at Ricky like, this is the future of, you know, this program for at least the next two years. Well, at least 5'10", 230 and, like, chiseled. And I chiseled, mean. yeah, Jesus Christ. And that was the thing was he always was this just, like, straight up. He's a beast. Yeah. That's the only way to describe it. And him. that's the way and his running game is. Is a three-down back, too, because not only does he run the ball, but he pass blocks well, and he has really great hands for somebody his size. Good f- uh, football intelligence. He, he is, like, the running back that you want. Oh, yeah, especially in this era, too. Yes. Uh, 96, uh, 1,272 rush yards. Um, he went over 100 yards in seven of the games, and they go to the Fiesta Bowl where they lose to the Fighting Sanduskies of Penn State. But he sets a Fiesta Bowl <laughs> record with nine catches. I thought that was interesting, and it shows that he is more than just a, you know, a, a running back or, or, you know what I mean, like we were just saying. He has all these tools that you can use, and then coming into his junior year. Oh, his junior year, I feel my like God. Everybody was looking at him as like, oh, this is his showcase for the NFL. They're like, this is going to be his last year in college because he's that much of a badass. Yep. Uh, 1,893 rush yards, 25 rushing touchdowns. He sets a school re- record for single season for rush yards, carries, rush touchdowns, and broke the school career record for uh, rushing TDs with five in a game against Rice. Against Rice, yeah. Which, you know, it's still, it's Rice, but it's still college football, right? Yeah. Um, 
sets uh, Big 12 records in all-purpose yards for 2000 with 2043 and finishes fifth in the Heisman and is a unanimous All-American. And you'd think, well, this is still when running backs can go in the first round, and he's probably going top 10. I wanted to bring this up because I found this kind of interesting where early in his life, he said when he envisioned himself playing football, yeah. it never was in an NFL jersey. Yeah. It was always in different college football jerseys. So when he said he was making this decision to do his fourth year at Texas, he was just like, well, this was always what I envisioned. Yeah. So, like, I'm not going to give it up, which everybody thought was crazy. Because He's a guy who were, sticks to his guns, though. Yes. We'll I, I love I love his attitude towards a team and towards that kind of shit. But, like... He literally could have came out in top 10. They were saying even top five, which is so much guaranteed money. We'll see. Not necessarily. And that but. position, it's – and when you're the focal point of an offense, the chance for injury exceeds yes. almost every other one on the field. Yes. And that – and it's not like he had to come back because he's only two years out of high, high school. He chooses to come back. And after a down year in 97 for the Longhorns as a whole – Dear God, I did want to add though he signed an almost three million dollar insurance policy I did see in that. case that ha- in case injury or something came in case up. injury and his draft stock would drop. They did it was a huge insur- insurance policy, but that's how fucked up college sports is. They're like, no, 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 you can come back play for free. Here's an insurance policy we're gonna put on you. It's just like. All right. Well, you know, we we didn't always live in the days of the NIL, Chris. We lived in the days of the student athletes. Let me tell you something about a student athlete. Oh, y'all have them here, too. Oh, sir, you are brilliant. (laughs) A jacuzzi filled with Kentucky fried chicken gravy. So his first game of the year, he scores six touchdowns against New Mexico State. Granted, it's New Mexico State, but it's still college it's, football. It's still another uh, record-breaking touchdown. And just like this stamp on this season, him coming back and being like, I'm going to be the best running back you've ever seen. And also lost in the shuffle of all of this is he has an outside shot of breaking Tony Dorsett's then NCAA record for career rushing yards. Yep. So in the following game against UCLA, who were probably kicking themselves, why the hell did we not recruit or get this guy? Breaks Earl Campbell's record for rush yards. Um, they end up losing the game to UCLA, though. They, uh, I think UCLA won their first 11 that year. But anyway, sidebar. Um, he scored uh, six touchdowns against, against Rice. Against Rice. That's just how it goes against Rice. Oh, I got a good story about Rice my dad told me from a long time ago. But... Uh, he has 344 points and is Texas's all-time leading scorer. And then the NCAA Division 1A points um, record holder with 428. That's amazing. The guy just gets it in the end zone. Yeah. And then we come to November 27th, 1998, where they're playing Texas A&M in a rivalry game with Matthew McConaughey on the sidelines. I got to tell you this story. Okay. We're at Rockabilly a couple of years ago, and they're showing this game. Yeah. And they're showing Matthew McConaughey and Ricky Williams, and as I'll get into later with Ricky Williams. Could you – so I start. I was with Clint at the bar, and I was like, can you imagine how that conversation went down with Ricky just like, hi, Matthew. Hey, Ricky Williams, what's going on there, big cat? You know, I'm just like, hey, you want to blaze in my car later? It'd be a lot cooler if you did. Why don't you go out there and break some NCAA Russian records? You know what I'm talking about, big cat. Hey, 
let's go party at Lake Austin with some titties. All right, that sounds good. That sounds good. <laughs> anyway, so they're playing Texas A and M. Uh, he breaks the record on a sixty-yard uh, run, mm-hmm. and if you ever watch this run, it's absolutely incredible. Um, he finishes his career with seven thousand two hundred six rushing yards in four years. That's insane. That's freaking crazy. Like that's some of the best running you'll ever see for a college. And that was the thing about him coming back in his fourth year. Yeah, was he wanted to make that? That's eighteen hundred yards a season, 18, basically. Yeah, and literally in the first, I would say two, he w- wasn't giving that eighteen hundred. That's what's kind of crazy. No. In the final two, he was, you know. But that's the thing was he literally gave them eight million dollar season for free i'm just saying like that's the kind of thing that you see with this is he came back to texas and he wins the heisman that was the other thing that he said was one of the things that he wanted yeah and doke walker presented it to him and over that season uh he developed a good relationship with doke walker's family uh we talked about him in the norman van brocklin episode um he led the ncaa in rush yards per game Unanimous All-American. They win the Cotton Bowl, where he had 248 all-purpose in it. And he broke or tied 21 Division I-A records during his career, 24 Big 12, and 46 Texas ones. They retired his number. That's how good this guy was. Yes. It was like a Sterling Sharp scenario, where it's like, you're still playing, so yeah, we're retired for Mm -hmm. you. College Football Hall of Fame. He comes out as possibly the greatest college football running back ever. That's the thing with with his stats, with his – I think he was the first player ever to go back-to-back – the Dor- the Walker Award, the well, best yeah. running back. Dirk Walker, two in a row, yeah. yeah. The uh, first number, the 7,206, that's his all-purpose. His rush yards were 6,592, 75 touchdowns, 2,327 receiving yards, uh, 29 touchdowns in his final season, and he had 988 career receiving yards and four touchdowns. He crazy. scored 79 touchdowns. And that's almost 20 a season. It's crazy. So now he's going to definitely be a top NFL pick because he can't go back to Texas. They won't let you play five years. <laughs> I'm sure they would have loved another season of free labor, but they don't get it. So um, now we get in to the 99, pr- 99-off season, basically, leading into the 1999 NFL season. Um, he's thought to be a top five pick. Um he forgoes his workout at the Combine and chooses to have it in San Diego. Eric Dickerson was there watching it, and he said, he's like Earl Campbell, only faster, which is scary as shit yes. for opposing tacklers. I'll say this because he ends up not going as the number one running back. No. Um, there was some weight discrepancy in the offseason where he, he showed up to the Combine heavy. He yeah. showed up to the Combine 20 pounds over, and then when he tried, when he worked out for a team, he was like, 20 pounds lighter and they were saying like is that how you're going to be in the off season there was this kind of thought of being like what's his mental state because you know well what and I mean? he's an introspective and quiet he guy marches to and... the beat of his own drum which can turn some teams off yes which exactly, is unfortunate because exactly. you know he'd have those interviews with his helmet on because yes. of the personality thing he had and well he didn't. He managed to impress one of the many coaches at his pro day, and the name of that coach was Hurricane Ditka. <laughs> and Hurricane Ditka wants to go full hog with Ricky Williams. Well, he whole sees hog. he sees that he's 
still available on the fifth pick. Well, what happened was in this draft, it wasn't just the Saints who called the Redskins for the fifth pick. It was, They didn't call just Washington. They called the top five teams. Oh, yeah. Which okay. was, a, a, a huge mistake for the Browns because they're an expansion team and they needed all of the capital they could get. If you need to learn any more about that, listen to our Tim Couch episode because... So what Ditka was essentially offering was all of their picks in the 99 draft and their first and third in 2000. Yep. The Browns say no. The Eagles say no. At least they took Donovan McNabb. That is not the guy from the Cosby show. I had to. I had to. Um, they offer the Cincinnati Bengals all of that deal, and they say, no, we're good with Akili Smith. And the Colts at four need a running back because they just traded Marshall Falk to the Rams. Oh, yeah. But the Colts at four say, we're really impressed with that Edger and James guy who's now currently in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Not Ricky Williams. Which, in... in they took a lot of heat for that, too. I was too. just going to say, Even they took James so much was shit. An absolute beast, including his final games at Miami. They... To pick him over because Ricky was, yeah. like I said, he had all of these, like he's coming out as the best, but turns out it was the right pick. And then I, I thought this was interesting. It was the first time that a team gave up literally the rest of their picks <laughs> to get one guy. So the Saints didn't pick again for the whole 99 draft. Which is incredible. Like that's just completely insane, but it happened. It yeah, actually, it, like Talladega, that just happened. Now you see me, now you don't. So anyway, he goes. This is this is the idiocy of the Saints, though. Is they're already a bad team. You've just completely drained all of your draft capital to help improve it for one guy. Yes, and one guy who's not a quarterback. Granted, Ricky Williams, incredible player. But how many wins a season is he worth to your team with nothing else? That's the thing is he needs shit to be built around him. Yeah. And there's not a lot being built around him, save for maybe Kyle Turley on that New Orleans offense at yeah. this juncture. So they have the um, whole uh, ESPN, the magazine cover. You remember that? I was just going to say, yeah. this is... Possibly, I don't know who the PR department is for the Saints, but this is possibly the stupidest thing I've ever seen a football team do where they have Dicka dress up like the groom and uh, Ricky dress up like a like a bride. So he has a dress on and then look good in that dress. The the fodder that that created for opposing teams. It's insane. I remember we watch stuff, though. The only thing that they could cut was, where's your dress? You look like a lady. You could only imagine the oh, stuff that was being said to him oh the men of their time had a field day Chris. i'm just saying i don't know who in the saints like even ditka said i don't know how they got you to agree to this ditka said that to him on the day boy it's just crazy um it's his special day but you know what this is the heyday of athletes wearing wedding dresses remember dennis that's, rodman that's true it was a very similar rodman dress yeah very similar now I- insert a uh, type of wedding dress. You got your joke. There you go. All right. So 
Ricky has an odd contract negotiation as well. Do you want to get into this? So he signs with uh, No Limit Soldier um, Sports Agency, which everybody was saying, oh, which is Master P, which was a rapper at the time. Yeah. Everybody was saying, oh, Master oh, P is your no, no, no. Master P is your agent, which wasn't true. It was just a company that Master P owned that had agents in it so he had a legitimate agent this was like the heyday of rappers wanting to get involved with sports too but it, it sounded like master p which is was his agent which i loved yeah so what ends up happening instead of signing a normal well i shouldn't say normal because this is the era of the nfl where rookies would hold out forever yes to like true. maximize their contracts what Ricky ends up doing with no limits is he signs a seven-year contract worth $11.1 million and a guaranteed $8.84 million signing bonus. The reason this contract is weird is it was all incentive-laden. Like, he could have earned up to $68.4 million if he hit all of these incentives. And in Ricky's mind, and this is where we get into it again, Yep, he said... I wanted the 8.84 because that's what I earned for playing in college football. The rest I wanted to earn on my own in the NFL, which is why it was incentive-laden, which would have been nice, and he did prove to be one of the NFL's best running backs. The problem was, his rookie year, he gets hurt. He sprains his ankle in preseason and struggles with injuries all year, and he made only $125,000. Well, just to put it in perspective, he should have came out and had number one, number two rookie contract yeah. of money. Um, he has this contract that's incentive-based, and he ends up not playing, so he has no base for incentives and he gets you can't paid. reach those milestones if you can't get on the field he gets paid literally the league minimum yeah. so and that's what the league minimum and that's Chris. yep and that's what people were saying was why this was such a bad contract and then it blows back into no limit and being like oh you have this horrible agency yeah. uh representing you and so. there are Granted, now there are tons of players who sign contracts like this that are incentive laden. But yep. this something like this had never been seen before. And after one year, he signs with Lee Steinberg of Jerry Maguire kind of fame. I was just going to say of a real sports agent agency. Yeah. So and at the Saints are dog shit in 1999. I think they would have had the second overall pick that year, but Which, they gave it up. They gave it away for Ricky. Um, Hurricane Ditka is no more. The eye of the storm has passed. Um, but in 2000, he has a, and I should point out, Ricky had 884 rush yards and a couple touchdowns his rookie year, which is pretty good considering he only played in 12 games yep. and played hurt. But in 2000, things start to turn around as we discussed in our Kyle Turley episode. Um, in 10 games, Ricky reaches a thousand yards on the ground. The team's improving around him with Jeff Blake and Aaron Brooks and quarterback. He got Turley on that offensive line and an improving defense. Eight touchdowns, uh, over 400 yards receiving and a touchdown. But the problem is he misses their entire playoff run because he breaks his ankle against the Panthers. And this is starting to come at a time where the Saints are maybe resenting him a little bit. I was just going to say, I found it really interesting. I saw an interview with him where... He really doesn't hold anything back, and he said he was such a a Ditka guy. So Ditka gave away the store to get him, and, and then they had the this. players resented the fuck out of that. Like, yep. why aren't you helping us? 
they had this stupid photo shoot of them being married. So he's like, I'm married to the last coach. So now the new coaching staff comes in and they're like, okay, so we have this guy, we have no picks and the team is really resentful towards him. So, and I think in 2001, they take running back Deuce McAllister in the first round and granted Ricky's still the number one guy, but you're kind of starting to see them. He's not getting a second contract with new Orleans. I was just going to say they, they set this up to have him as trade fodder. Yeah, so they, which is smart on it their is, part. It's not crazy because they have to get some of those picks back. Yeah, they get the picks back, and they they show how productive he can be because he's still the number one running back. And he's healthy this year. He has 313 carries, uh, 1,245 yards, and six touchdowns. A career-high 60 catches, 511 yards, and a touchdown, and was NFC Offensive Player of the Month in October. Yeah, Saints just missed the playoffs, but in 2002... They're ready to start giving the ball to Deuce McAllister and getting some of those picks back. And they find a willing participant, uh, March 8th, 2002. Four draft picks, including two first-rounders, go to the Dolphins, along with a fourth-round pick coming back um, from New Orleans to Miami. And Ricky's on a new team. And this is probably the golden age of his career, these next two seasons, I'll say because the team around him is decent and they're just feeding him the ball. I was just they don't have a quarter. I think they have Jay Fiedler as their quarterback, they're so you know where the ball is going. Yes. They have a, a big, mean offensive line. And in 2002, 353 carries. He leads the league in rushing in yards per carry this year. 1,853 yards, 4.8 yards a carry, 16 touchdowns. 89 first downs, 47 catches, 363 yards, and a touchdown. First team AP All-Pro. So he pretty much is saying that he can be this ridiculously yeah. great running back, Just put top three running back in, his, in the NFL for his era. A little talent around me and yes. don't make me wear a dress. And... <laughs> This is where Miami kind of falters is what he says, too. This is the thing is he, he talks about these teams so openly. He's just like he's an open book, though. Yeah. yeah he, he's honest. He felt like everything was going like we were putting all these pieces together. He was getting all the carries in the world. And then they just wouldn't get a quarterback nope. or essentially like a passing any, game, any other kind of passing game, any other kind of offensive. Like they were just like, no, 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 you're good. We're going to be right outside of the playoffs. You this mean to tell our... me Mike Ditka Jr. and Dave Wanstead, less successful Mike Ditka Jr., can't find a quarterback? No. Uh, 2003, he leads the league in carries with 392. Yep. And I want to bring up these carries when we get into another aspect of his career very shortly. 1,372 rushing yards, nine touchdowns, 50 catches in a TD, and then... We get into some interesting things. Well, it, leading into 2004, and specifically some of these issues arising because of the amount of workload that he had. So, you brought up in uh, Texas him and the uh, wonderful man, Matthew. Like they were smoking weed back on those back on those Longhorn days. Hey, Ricky, why don't you um, why don't you tie those dreadlocks up and then we can go and party? I don't want you to light them on fire. But that's the thing is. He said he never smoked weed in college. Like Kyle Turley never smoked weed in college. And when he got to the NFL, the amount of 
damage on his body they were trying to pump him with pills and just the type of person he was he was very like you could see he was very like trying to be like natural and like that kind of shit he said he just was one of the guys in the locker room with a couple other guys that just straight up turned to weed and that was the only thing that was kind of he would do which is smart because when adding up just two seasons of work in miami he had 745 carries in addition to those 50 catches and and 97 catches so essentially he's touched the ball in two seasons what i would say 60 percent of running backs now don't even have in a career well and that was what he said was he was leading the NFL by like a huge margin in attempts and he could see that it was just, it wasn't going to work out for him doing this year after year and pumping his himself with opiates provided by the team. So he opted for a more natural remedy. Well, he gets busted um, earlier in the season for uh, in 2003. He had pissed hot. Yeah. Yeah. And they and they don't make it 